0: everybody welcome back to keith and mike watch deep space nine today we are going to be talking about season two episode four invasive procedures it is a it is bright and early on a tuesday morning mike how you doing i am feeling great keith
1: uh, for many reasons reason number one Mm -hmm. i got to watch deep space nine last night really dug the episode we're dealing with Mike loves the trill stuff, so we're dealing yeah, the, with it. The trilvia. Yeah, the trilvia. So I'm digging that. Also, Keith, I may have hit a button on Amazon last night and bought another action figure because, you know, and. A little birdie flew into my mm-hmm. ear and told me. I'm trying to think, when do we post this? Yes, this will post before. We may have gotten a box in the mail from Playmates with some we stuff in certainly it. Did. So. We did.
0: We got a much bigger box than I was expecting to get from our friends at Playmates Toys. So uh, check out our sister show, Look at My Star Trek Toys, where Mike and I are reviewing. Uh, you know, it started out as reviewing all of the 1990s Playmates 4.5 inch action figures. Well, let me tell you, that has grown. So, we are going through, we are going to review every single item in line one of the 2022 Playmate series, uh, as well as now we are branching out into customs. Uh, I'll be the little bird to say, we got another box uh, of an amazing set of customs that we are going Ooh. to get in there. I don't know when we're going to get it in the feed because we are stacked up for months now. But we are going to do it. I'm so excited to show those to you. Uh, lots of really exciting things happening over in Toyland. Um, but today, we're talking about Deep Space Nine. And uh, this is where I, where I ask uh, uh, Mike, because I, I, didn't, I didn't check, because it's been a busy week for me. Have, did you do your homework and drop the animated series on our Patreon feed? Mm, yes. Yes, I did. Yes, yeah. I did. <laughs> I love so many things about that. One, uh, that you did it, hooray! Yeah. yeah. Uh, but two, that it took you that long to remember if you did, and possibly three, that I didn't even bother to know myself. Uh, but time is hooray. a construct, Keith, and I'm not. Uh, I'm not up on it. <laughs> no, no, time is linear, Mike. Oh, okay. Time is not a construct. We've if we've learned nothing from Deep Space Nine, time is linear yeah, NBC last night on the new quantum leap series told me otherwise Keith Ooh. well uh I haven't I haven't watched it yet it's been a it's been a crazy week but I I we will we should probably maybe review that together at some point we should Throw I think we should maybe the watch
1: the pa- pilots of both the original and this because they really tried hard to to ta- make you know what we're gonna have another podcast to talk yeah. about that kind of stuff
0: An- another show another show yeah. but you know who gets to see it first Mike It's our patrons at patreon.com slash K&M, spell out that, and Mike, who are our patrons at this particular moment here on this beautiful Tuesday morning?
1: Oh, well, it'd be great if I had it pulled up, but uh, uh, it's not saved where it should be. I mean, it's
0: it's not like we, we do this every single week. Um... But you know, well, while you do that, I'll tell you what's up there. On Patreon.com slash K and M, you get bonus episodes that Mike remembers to post. Very exciting. We did the pilot of Star Trek, the animated series. Uh, we also have queued up um, that we have to record probably this week. Another episode of The Next Generation, which I'm excited to to talk about with you and show with you because it relates directly to Deep Space Nine. Okay. Uh so we're gonna see we're we're sort of going back and doing some of the next gen episodes that lay groundwork for Deep Space Nine. People so keep the people fun. who
1: put up with our in uh frequent or uh, not our inconsistent posting mm. on Patreon, Patreon, oh God words. Brian Kaufman, Casey Clark, Cloud Lover69, Jorge Navoa, longtime friend and listener. Anne the Mysterious, which is how she enjoys being credited, anybody who gives us crap. Alan Zimmerman. If you'd like to be credited a different super way, let us know. We'll change the graphic. And by wheel, I mean Keith. Alan Zimmerman, (laughs) CRM Productions, and Charles Babbage. And if you would like to send us any goodies in the mail, uh, be it toys, be it uh, memorabilia, whatever have you, the DS9 companion that I'm looking for so desperately, but it's like $100 on eBay and I'm not gonna spend that kind of money, you can Mm. email us uh, at what's our email address? Uh,
0: well, you can probably your best bet is look at my Star Trek toys at gmail.com. Uh, mainly because that's the one I can control and control where the things get sent. Fair to my house. Fair, fair, uh, fair. Yeah, I mean, to, to be fair, JD's painting of us is literally framed on the wall above my piano, <laughs> directly to my right. So, uh, it looks Magnificent! I'm so excited about it. Anyway, uh, what do you say we talk about some Deep Space Nine? I think that is a good idea. I'm going to pop
1: you out so I can look at your face, Keith, which is my first mistake, but I'm going to do it. That is a mistake.
0: That's that's everyone's mistake. All right, let's let's do some Deep Space Nining, shall okay. we? Okay. Well, we are talking about season two, episode four, "Invasive Procedures," and it aired on October 17th, 1993. ugh oh. I'm so wistful about the fall of 93 because it was such a happy time for me, football-wise. Mm. Miserable in all other possible ways, but football just made me so happy. And uh, you know what else what made me happy? Listening to the beautiful strains that, you know, every week I say, oh, Mike's definitely listened to it by now so he can sing us a little bit of the jingle. And every week, uh, Mike disappoints. But But this week, this week, I'm absolutely certain. That Mike it has can't learned. It could possibly be the same song. No done, chance. He, he must have at least learned a 16 bar cut, uh, you know, for his for his audition, singing Mariah Carey's Dream Lover. Oh, I can't wait to hear because Mike learned it this time. Dream Lover! I definitely listened this week. Okay, that's very, very wrong. The uh top movie, which I forgot <laughs> to mention last week. <laughs> Was Demolition Man? Oh, a Stallone joint. A Stallone joint. This was its second week at the top of the charts. So uh, Stallone taking over, uh, and Sandra Bullock, right? Yeah. Uh, yes.
1: I, I think. think demo- was- Interestingly, he has a new joint out, The Samaritan. I don't know why I'm S- Samaritan. Samaritan which I, I, I've i just heard is such trash, I can't possibly watch it. But I've heard it has parallels to the Demolition Man. So what's old is new again, Keith. Mm,
0: indeed. And you want to know, actually, that is a perfect segue to uh, this week's Weekly World News headline. Ooh. Mike, any any guesses what was in the news on the Weekly World News uh, this oh, week? I, can it possibly
1: be something Trump? Give me something Trump.
0: Oh, no, but it is political. Of course, JFK meets Jackie for the first time in 30 years, because, of (laughs) course, in this universe, JFK is still alive. And we have dramatic photos taken just days ago. The couple's historic reunion at Virginia State lasted 25 minutes. So if you would like to find out more about uh, JFK and Jackie hanging out in 1993, uh, pick up. Your October 17th, 1993 Weekly World News. Okay, so this episode was directed by veteran director Les Landau, who last directed The Forsaken, one of our uh, one of our favorite episodes from season 2. Yeah, enjoyed it quite a bit. It was written by John Wepley and Robert Hewitt Wolf who did the teleplay, and John Welpley also did the story. Okay. This was his only episode of Trek in any way, shape, or form. So, uh, so there we go. Let us do some Trivial Trivia. It's some fun stuff this week. In a segment we call... Now keep, waste your time with Trivial Trivia. I, I gotta watch myself. Because usually when the bumpers play... Right? I'm like, oh, I can take a drink from my coffee. I can pick my nose or whatever. But last week, you layered us over. So there I was. I thought I was off camera. Yeah, I usually remember to, it's, you remember I was like, it's
1: much easier to just do it in post. It's not. It's It's not easier. It's, it's,
0: it's
1: it's not hard. It's just, I have to like scrub through. Different different workflow. But But, it uh, it is, it's
0: what we've, it's, it's what we're doing. So it is what it is. Just folks, when you're, uh, when you're on a show that Mike is editing, Just keep your wits about you. Because you you think you're not on camera? You you might might be be. on camera. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so trivial trivia for invasive procedures. Uh, First off, Tim Russ is here. And uh, do you know who Tim Russ is, Mike? Uh, No. (laughs) You said that with, oh, yeah, Tim Russ is here. I thought I kept,
1: well, I was trying to remember the name of the
0: guest star, who's clearly the dad in Smallville and I couldn't come up with his name. Oh, we're going to oh, we're going to talk about him a great deal. So, uh Tim Russ, who plays the larger of the two Klingons, uh is kind of Star Trek royalty. Because he plays Tuvok on oh. Star Trek Voyager. He's a series regular on Star Trek Voyager. But well, he did is... seem familiar looking. So maybe that's got to be it. I mean, you've seen several action figures mm-hmm. of uh of Tim Russ. Uh but here's the thing. This is already his second Star Trek appearance because he was on uh Starship Mine in the Next Generation, which was Next Gen's Die Hard, which was uh super fun. And uh which also guest starred Patricia Tallman, who's going to come up in our next piece of trivia. Okay. Uh but Tim Russ would also go on to be in Star Trek Generations. Um who we we've seen a custom figure of his character from Star Trek Generations and all of this would be before he was cast ultimately as Tuvok on Star Trek Voyager. Okay. So uh Tim Russ long storied Star Trek legacy and uh he's one of the few people who have played Klingons and Vulcans and humans in uh in his in his uh life there. So uh the next piece of trivial trivia uh, Speaking, continuing to speak about Tim Russ, he accidentally punched Kira's stand-in Patricia Tallman during a fight. Uh Ed Tallman is another person we've seen a custom figure for, so who's uh, who's was a such an interesting actress because she really did do both. She was a stunt performer and an actor, huh. and so uh, she performed a couple of roles as an actor on Star Trek and was the stand-in stunt person for pretty much all of the female characters through the 90s and was like a series regular on another sci-fi show like she's she's really done both which is super interesting um and this is why she's awesome cuz uh Tim Russ punched her right in the face and she said "Keep rolling cuz it looks great." Cuz she's a she's a stunt performer. They don't care. They just want it to look good. Uh- we'll get to it
1: uh, she, yeah, i was gonna say she couldn't have taken much injury and i think i made this joke in my watch along because she's wearing full football pads she's just got a full protective football layer on
0: hey safety first buddy yeah. safety first well but you know but she didn't have football pads on her face which is i think where she probably mm, yeah, got punched probably. it's very sure so, her, her outfit is very designing women i i think you're this is standing for kira yeah yeah, okay. Well, I can't wait to see the screenshot you have of that. It's just uh, straight.
1: It's, it's the shoulder.
0: Okay, we'll get there. All anyway, right, anyway, all right. Anyway, so uh, lastly, when Varad Dax and Cisco mention the Cliffs of Bowl, that is a reference to frequent Trek director Cliff Bowl. They so, love an uh, Easter egg, don't they? Tons of Easter eggs. It's so much fun. There are several more in that very conversation.
1: God, I'd learn so much if I had the compendium which is available in hardback only.
0: Someone out there has it, and I want it.
1: Could you help me out?
0: You know what, I I think that our entire empire has now devolved into Mike just begging for free stuff. Well, Keith keeps getting mail. He gets <laughs> toys in the mail. I just get to look at him open them, and it's starting to suck a little bit. I get toys. I get custom figures you of get us. paintings? I get paintings <laughs> of us. I just get to, like, look at them on a
1: little screen on OBS through another <laughs> screen. <laughs>
0: Depending on Keith's internet connection of the day. It might even be pixelated. So, oh, Oh, man, help me Somebody send Mike some fun toys. (laughs) All right. It's going to be whining for the whole rest of this year. We have, like, another 160 episodes to do. So, all right. So, uh, lastly, before we get to guest stars, what was uh, Next Generation doing? And uh, this was, of course, when the Next Gen wasn't doing Gambit. Because uh, I have screwed this... We've done this segment maybe three times. What's the what's the date again while you do this? I'm gonna look up
1: the thing I promised. I'm supposed to be doing a segment two. We're really <laughs> it's not going well. No, no,
0: no, I was right. Yes, October 17th okay. was was Gambit Part 2. I you know what? I had so little faith in myself. I, I was I thought I was wrong, I was not wrong. So of course, yes, it was the second part of Gambit on The Next Generation. Lots of good, fun stuff with Picard and Riker undercover shutting down, uh, you know, the bad guys. Mike, I don't even know what segment you're doing. Well, Keith, remember I wanted to look at
1: what else was on TV that night, and uh, same kind of stuff we talked about last week since I can't figure out how to uh, uh, scroll on this page, but we still had uh, uh, our World Series pregame, Keith. Oh, Ooh. Keith! Holy crap! I'm glad I, I'm glad I looked. This evening, I wouldn't have been watching because my Philadelphia Phillies—oh, what you're wearing on your head—were in the World Series, Keith, and they won this game six to four.
0: Wow! Yeah, very they, exciting. The
1: '93 team—they would ultimately lose because Joe Carter really just. Ruined it all for us, uh, but... It, it, is that, did you lose to
0: Toronto? Is that right? Yes, the
1: Toronto Blue Jays. How but do we, I
0: remember that? I don't even care about baseball.
1: But we won this game. Airing on Fox, we had the the juggernaut of Living Single, Martin, and Married with Children. And uh, NBC was airing something called Sequest.
0: Sequest? You don't know about Sequest? I don't remember Sequest, no. Oh my God, it was Star Trek Underseas with... Uh, with the uh, 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 Oh, my God. Okay,
1: man. Roy Scheider from from Jaws. And, of course, ABC was airing Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, the episode Mm. Requiem for a Superhero. What a big
0: night. Yeah, big night of television. Big Uh, night of television. Well, speaking of Superman, that is another good segue, sir, because we are going to start introducing our guest stars, including John Glover. Glover, that's
1: it. I couldn't remember.
0: John Glover, of course, who played uh, Lex Luthor's father on Smallville, one of Mike's favorite shows. Loved it. Uh, and uh, the legendary John Glover, because I, I don't usually give a lot of credits um, on these things, but John Glover is a big friggin' deal. Yeah. He has five Emmy nominations. He is a Tony winner. He has, uh, I, I looked it up, he has done 19 different Broadway shows. And, uh, including Drowsy Chaperone, which I saw him do Man in the Chair. Oh, really? I bet he was excellent. He was amazing. he He's not a singer, but, like, his transition from, like, funny to heartbreaking was just, like, lightning quick. It was so good. Uh, but, yeah, John, I mean, John Glover is a, is a legendary actor, and I'm gonna finish our episode with a uh, piece of trivial trivia about John Glover that just makes me smile every time I think about it. So, uh. Keep an eye out for theater, television, and film actor John Glover. Also in this episode, uh, he's playing Virad, of course. And uh, also in this episode is Megan Gallagher as Muriel, who uh, you would also know as Lieutenant Jaron in Voyager, Body and Soul. And we'll be back on Deep Space Nine in the episode Little Green Men, which I am so excited for Mike to watch. Uh, like, a such a fun uh, little episode, Little Green Men. But uh, back is a different character. Tim Russ, as we already introduced, as Takar. And Steven, Steve Rankin as Yeto, the other Klingon. I, I can hear myself coming through, buddy. Sorry, buddy. That's because my ears were over there. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's what's happening. All right, so Steve Rankin played Yeto, who also played Colonel Green on Enterprise, Fenom in Think Tank on Voyager, and was a Cardassian officer in Emissary, and also played Patak. In the enemy on the next generation. Uh, which is interesting because I believe that that was a, uh, a Romulan. And yet, Patak is a Klingon uh, slur. So, interesting. Uh, so, everybody in the guest stars here have had long Star Trek and sci-fi connections. So, must have been fun to cast. Uh, but now I think it's going to be fun to talk about. What do you say we hop into the screening room and talk about this episode, Mike? Sing us in. Am 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 I I on camera? camera? I do do not know. know. I I expect to take it out, but I may not. (laughs) Okay. Here we are in invasive procedures and we begin with, oh snap, the station has been evacuated again Mm. because of a plasma storm. So it's just our heroes this week. Um, Yeah, so a couple of things immediately. One, it's weird to evacuate two episodes in a row. Yeah. Um, But I think there's a correlation, Mike. What do you think that correlation might be? Uh, they're trying to save that money. That's right. <laughs> this, the first three episode arc was expensive, so let's do a bottle episode with no extras. <laughs> and so, uh, this had to have been one of the cheapest episodes they did all season long. But our heroes are locking everything down when Odo hears a suspicious sound, and naturally, it's Quark. Yeah, well, there you go. And he's praying in an airlock for some reason. And he didn't evacuate because he's a series regular. I mean he didn't want to leave his Latinum behind. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 but he's waiting for his brother, right? I love my he, brother. He he wants he's saying goodbye to his brother, Rom. Uh so clearly it's it's pretty funny that he was there unlocking the airlock and heard somebody coming, and like his thought was like, oh pray. He just must have like thrown himself to the ground and started praying. That was uh, it's it clever. Quark's Quirk's a little. He's quick, quick on the uptake, uh, which is uh, also impressive because they work so hard to make sure we don't hear footfalls mm. on the set, mm-hmm. uh, which is why most of the ships are carpeted. Uh, although that's not true on Deep Space Nine. I don't know how they dampen the sound, um, other than just cutting it out. Anyway, we also learn in the scene that Chief O'Brien has two brothers. Which yeah, that's cool. Think we knew. Yeah, didn't know that. The O'Brien boys, the O'Brien boys, and of course we find out that Quark has left a device stuck to an airlock wall, but we don't know what it means yet. Yeah. Uh, but it's time to go to credits, because that is the end of the teaser. We begin in Act One. The storm's intensity is up, and Bashir is super excited about all of it. Back to like, yay, I'm Bashir, look at me, I'm doing things. That's funny. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it's like. And of course, like I I guess like this crazy storm and they've they've just locked off ops in the in the small area, but I guess if it was safe in ops, why couldn't they make the rest of the whatever. We're just we're just gonna roll with it. This is what we're doing. It sets up the, it sets up a good idea. Here are her shoulder pads. That's a good that's a good shot. Oh, but that's that's normal. She, I know it's normal, but it just really struck me today where I was like, oh, yeah, there she's like wearing full-on uh, linebacker pads. Well, look, we are now, I mean, 1993 is almost like late 80s. Yeah, that's fair. So uh, that, that was just fashion, buddy. Fashion. <laughs> so uh, Dax gets an alert that a small vessel is approaching. They call and say they were caught in the storm and are asking for assistance. So naturally, they tractor beam them in, and O'Brien releases the emergency seal on the airlock. That's a cool. I I thought the the effects of the storm around the uh, yeah. station looked great. Totally, um, and uh, you can see here how the tractor beam works. The ship almost was, looks like the ship from Spaceballs, which is a weird reference, but like the like the Winnebago. <laughs> I well, I mean, I think it pretty much is. I think they made a Spaceballs reference recently on Star Trek. Ah. Uh, Anyway, classic, so uh or might have been might have been star wars I forget who who made the reference uh, but here we come with our guys, then uh, two Klingons, including well, first Tim Ross. first, let me just say, we
1: just found quark, right? nobody yeah. at this point was suspicious that like literally five minutes later we have to go to the same airlock to let these people in
0: well I, you know. Little suspicious. Nobody Odo Odo is an amazing security officer, but I think the fact that he is in love with Quark mm. means you know love is blind. Love sometimes you miss things maybe when your when often, your heart is going through. I think I might have commented on. I often think maybe Odo's one of his. I think his he
1: has a bit of hubris when it comes to his ability as a defense or as a, a security officer. I think he maybe is a little because we've seen a lot of kind of. Not great. This is way too easy of an invasion. Like this, this is way too wildly easy. too easy. Yeah,
0: wildly too easy. <laughs> yeah. But if you think about it, most of his mistakes, most of his hubris, relates to Quark. Hmm? He's always being outsmarted by Quark, and I, I, I think that's because he's in love. You know, because cause you all had that like girl in in middle school, who like. You didn't really notice that she was being mean to you because she was just talking to you. Mm-hmm. I once uh th- e- tales of Keith's heartbreak in 3rd grade. Uh there was this girl named Sarah. I won't I won't give her last name. Uh and uh she convinced me that if I gave her all of my micro machines that maybe she'd be in love with me. Mm-hmm. Uh the micro machines uh passed hands, the love did not. Oh. So man it was it was it was very sad that was my first uh my first attempt at transactional love and it didn't work
1: keith did you write words and words and words of heartbreak in your journal and then read the back very very fastly
0: oh well uh i definitely did not because at that point i would have had to write it by hand Mm. uh and uh i i can't even write a check by hand we've all got our own little ferengi girl don't we we all have our our own little Ferengi girl. That's right. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so I I think these people sending me people sending me toys in the mail is just making up for that heartbreak because sure. I never got those marker machines back. Just so you know, uh, where were we? We are so off the rails. Uh, they're getting attacked through the airlock. Oh right. I mean look, the second line of this entire recap. So. Uh, then two Klingons including Tim Russ and a lady take them hostage. We only see the one Klingon one time, right? Uh no, he's he's in the infirmary with Bashir. Oh, uh, okay. So one stays on ops and one one uh hangs out with Bashir. Uh but we see so I'm I'm curious about the smoke in that scene. Like it's from the storm, but how did it get into the ship if it's an airlock? Well, everybody if- knows that if you get into
1: your your hurricane shelter, and no disrespect, I know it, when this is airing on the internet, there's a lot of people suffering in Puerto Rico and, and there are a lot of tropical storms happening. It's just a coincidence that we have a storm episode here, Keith. Uh, but as we all know, when you go into your little storm shelter and you open it up the next day, some rain comes out, right? That's just how it works.
0: Well, it does, except for you have a lot of uh, uh, storm shelter and things specifically designed 500 years in the future to protect you from the vacuum of space are slightly more advanced. We, we
1: had a line on him in the budget for smoke. We're using the GD smoke, all right? <laughs> oh my god. I Patricia yeah. back in props
0: put the whole put all the ice in. She smoked it up. We got to use Having it. Having access to a smoke machine is I, you know, I've I have i have had access to a smoke machine for a while. Uh it's just too too damn much fun. Yeah.
1: Keith, I'm anyway. surprised you don't have
0: smoke right now
1: in your shot cuz that would be great. Oh my god. Hold on. For the next toys,
0: I want smoke. Yeah. Oh, oh. Wait. 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 Hold on. I think I can do this. Oh wait. Wrong. Wrong. Right. There we go. Oh boy. We're gonna. It's gonna happen. There we go. Mm.
1: Your computer's <laughs> melting because your sink is all kinds of crazy. Turn that off.
0: Oh, but it looks <laughs> so cool. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, you're fired. Ah, <laughs> uh. <laughs> zing. Oh. This episode is already terrible, and we're still in Act One. Uh. <laughs> 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 ah. All right. Uh. So, uh, anyway, I'm still, I'm still in one sentence. Then, uh, snap. Uh, in comes a trill played by John Glover with a box to trap Odo in. And Odo goos into the box and takes the rest of the week's filming off, uh, Clearly, uh, Renee probably had a vacation scheduled, so he comes in for one day. Oh, I'm in a box. Oh, no, I'm off to Disney World. So uh, they arrive in the infirmary and give Odo to Bashir to put in a stasis chamber. Then they arrive on ops and take everyone else prisoner. That was remarkably easy. (laughs)
1: Which is... This is is the biggest one. Okay, so, like, I get... The break in, blah, blah, blah. But the one that bothers me, and what I think I said on my watch along was this is like pre-9-11 airplane cockpit. When they just oh like God, let right? little people into the cockpit. Why would you it has to be very difficult to get to ops. Like you got that, you gotta lock that one down. I guess they have Bashir and they got O'Brien with them, so maybe O'Brien opened the door, but come on. You don't have
0: sensors for weapons? Because we've already established in canon that the promenade has weapon detectors. You don't have those on ops or, you know, in the corridors surrounding ops or or on the Jeffries tubes or or, or the elevators or any of that. It, eh, it doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense. Um,
1: Plus, and, also- and, and you're like, I know that they took their communicators. Right. But like, don't you have maybe we had a, a, a meeting about this last week. We we're like, let's get a secret emergency thing. Like the second they were being bum rushed, they could have been like beep. And then it sets
0: off in a lot. There's not like do any of the, the computers built into every wall, just like send a, just send an email. I think we've like, established our wormhole, Keith. Yeah, I think I think we <laughs> I think we 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 just may have not to not the least of which uh, I didn't even know this was Star Trek canon until the animated series episode that we put up. on oh, yeah. Patreon.com com slash k and m. They had an automatic defense like zapper come down from the. Uh, yeah, somebody the, mosquito on the these Klingons. Mosquito, mosquito zap them. Like, you, you don't have a zapper that you can, like... Of course, doing that would break every story that's ever been told on Star Trek. Fair. So I understand you can't have, like, story-breaking technology, but... Yeah, you got a little ball there. It's just beep, 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 beep. Zaps out whoever you want to. So easy. I don't know why. Anyway. So, uh, John Glover starts doing something on the computer. And we speculate it was Quark help them get on board naturally so uh then oh and and of course uh John Glover's playing a trill we discover that um then the other klingon goes to quark's and uh, quark thinks that the klingon is there to purchase liquid data chains but apparently it's it's not that which begs the question why does the klingon go to That quark? was my question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what was the, so? Maybe you, I guess you assume one of two things. The, the, what's the, what's the John Glover name? Uh, uh, Virile. Virile, Virile, Either Vryad. one more time, <laughs> Verad. <laughs> <laughs> He's holding a vial. The guy's name is Verad. Um, either paid him handsomely or is expecting him to come to some sort of power and prominence and take him with him, I suppose, or their old friends. Well, but just take the thing, too. Like, just get these little vials here and take the money.
0: Well, I, I think that he... I think the way I would fix it is he knows that there's only X amount of people on the station. He made a deal with Quark, but it was a trick, that he doesn't want Quark interfering with uh, with whatever their plan is. So All you right. got to account for everybody on the station. Uh That's fair. So we head back to Ops and Cisco asks what's up. The Klingon explains that the person who hired them is actually the shy Trill. And he explains that he wants Dax, not Jadzia, but the symbiote Dax, and he's going to steal them. Uh and he knows this will kill Jedzia, and he feels bad about it, but he's still going to do it. Yeah. Uh and, and I think this is where we start doing some good Trill via. He's spent his whole life trying to qualify for joining, but they rejected him as unsuitable. And Dax reminds us, because Verad would totally know this, that only 1 in 10 Trills get joined. Is that something that you knew yet? I think we had
1: discussed it early on. I think you had prepped me, because I had had some questions about the proving, or the, the selecting, or whatever it's called, uh, and you had filled me in that it was, it, I don't know that I knew it was one in 10, but you said it was very selective, I recall.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know if the show had established that yet. I think they mentioned it in, probably in the episode Dax, um, but this really does continue to set up that canon. But what she did say,
1: which I thought um, was interesting here and a good good context for the Trill as a species, was that though it's a great honor to be selected, there's also zero shame in not being selected, right? Like right. he he seems to have a pretty deep well of uh, hurt about it, but she's she was like, it's not, it's not, it's not uh, a judgment at all. Most people don't get selected,
0: yeah. Which is something that somebody who got selected would say to somebody who didn't get selected <laughs> if they're yeah. just being nice, but but yeah. I
1: was a little disappointed here because where I kind of was hoping when he started his exposition monologue, what I was kind of hoping this plot was going to be was that he had been selected and there was some sort of cler- clerical issue or some sort of reason why he was oh, selected he, to be- actually
0: the- be entitled to it? Yeah, uh, but, you know. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. That's, that's fun. It's not the story we're telling, but that's fun. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Varad explains that he's chosen Dax- and is planning to steal them and peace out through the wormhole once he does. And uh, Jadzia explains that the risks of a bad joining could cause permanent psychological damage. So it's not just, the selection process is not just you're like elite enough to be worthy of a join, but you actually have to be compatible Mm. psychologically and and, and in a lot of different ways. He's done that research though. Yeah, well, he he doesn't care because he is all about living up to his potential, and he thinks he deserves more. Bashir, of course, says I won't help, but then Varad shoots O'Brien and says he'll kill them all if he doesn't help. And uh, so, okay, this it, it's interesting because like he's his version, you know, pre Dax Varad is he's very shy, he's very reserved. It, Seems kind of almost nice, but then like, dude's ruthless. Yeah, well, he's come this far, right? So he 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 gone. His
1: manifesto's been written. He's he's mm. compiled his sort of weapons, and he's he's acting out his
0: plot. Man, he's he's gonna do it. He's gonna do it. So uh, Jedzia steps in and says to help Varad, naturally, uh, and uh, also Varad's put uh, he puts on one of the Federation communicators, and uh, so all those all of the the bad guys. Put on the communicators. I'm not sure why. There's a
1: great scene. I'm not sure if it's passed already or a, a great shot Um, because it's it's right before this, and uh he's they had already collected. I think it's when they steal the communicators originally. They all go. To, they all clip them to their lapels. Yeah, but he can't get his to clip. Right. Oh, <laughs> so. And he just, like, grabs it in his hand and they run off the frame. And for whatever reason, they liked that take or they just didn't have – they ran out of time and couldn't do another take, which is probably more likely. Uh, but it's really – it made me laugh because we're once in the future and they're clearly, like, self-adhesing, you know, whatever. But he couldn't get his to clip, so they just, is just ran hilarious. off. Which is
0: hilarious. I think there were magnets. Yeah, whatever. It didn't work. But I could be wrong. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. didn't Didn't work. But also, like, I don't understand the logic of putting them on, right, because – a, it would it would do two things. One, it would allow them to communicate with each other. But you would think they would have another way to communicate. Like, why didn't they have their own communicators to, to talk with each other? Like, that's the first time they've ever been able to text each other? Do Now, riddle me
1: this, technologically. I assume yeah. that the doors and such are biometrically uh, synced yeah. to you. So, like, it opens because it knows who you are. So, it's not like the communicator
0: works as, like, key fob. Well, that would make a lot of sense. I think that would be a way to make this. Surely, make sense, the technology but and
1: the computer handles all that, though.
0: Oh, sure, but I, I think in canon, at least at this point, they'd never addressed that, and that the doors basically worked like just motion detection, um, as opposed to because they're, you know, if you need to access a door, you you put in your code or whatever. So. Um, You know, certainly the technology would exist at that point. So I I don't think they were used as a key fob in Canon. That makes perfect sense. And that would explain why they took them. But otherwise, I don't, you know, because it has a disadvantage too, right? Because now, for whatever reason, the computer can only find you if you're wearing a communicator pin. So if Cisco were able to get an access to the transporter... He was like, oh, they're in these four places. Beep, 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 beep. I mean, bad guy logic,
1: at least we can agree. It's better to make it so that the crew that you're s- s- sieging
0: can't communicate with one another. Oh, no. So t- that at least. Take is- them. Take them for sure. But why wear them? Anyway, eh, eh whatever. So uh, we also learn that Muriel and Varad are totally doing it. Well, so. Yeah. uh then we go to the infirmary, and they prepare to do the surgery. And Varad does not want anesthesia, so he can help if anything goes wrong. And uh, oh, Bashir... we missed—we
1: missed—you missed the one part. Ah, oh, TV, where we're with the bad guys, and the bad guys clearly are taking Dax away, uh, Jadzia away, and they just all tell her. Bashir tells her. Ben tells her. I think O'Brien tells her. We're gonna we're gonna make a plan and get you and save you, which is not something I mean, I'm sure it's implied. You don't really need to say it in front of the bad guys. It feels like that might antagonize them or maybe I don't know just feels ill like a bad choice strategically
0: well, I mean the you know if I'm the bad guys, like I'm imagining that they're not just be like i'm I'm assuming they're going to yeah but try he just to do blasted something. O'Brien. And they just had a fight with with just
1: like maybe that's just that's chill, I think she knows we're gonna make it we're gonna make an effort,
0: yeah, yeah, well fair enough, fair enough, so <laughs> anyway, in the infirmary, Bashir puts Jadzia to sleep, and on Ops, Cisco tells Kira and O'Brien that Jedzia will die within hours of having the symbiote removed, which is uh I think adds to the stakes. Did did you know that, Mike? That that they will die if you take out the symbiote? I think we did know that. I
1: think I think we had heard in that first trill episode that once they're joined,
0: if once they take the symbiote out, you're yeah. done. You're done for. Yeah. I think so stakes are high for uh for Jadzia here. Then there's a big hand to hand fight. And uh Cisco and Kira fight like badasses but lose. I liked sort of the ferocity of their of their fighting. So here's here's the shot of them beginning the surgery. Um, in your summary, are we at the surgery yet, or nowhere before? Not yet. Okay, I'm gonna hold we're on. getting there. Yeah. Uh, then. Uh, uh okay. Yes. Big hand. If I I like how they fought. Yeah. Then. It was cool. uh, then in the infirmary, the worm is transferred down John Glover's pants. Uh, and hold on looks gonna, like, let's take a yeah read your joke first yeah yeah yeah. it looks like the hedge know how to joke i can i can like tell the, you set up the uh, <laughs> it looks like the trills have kangaroo pouches not sure if that's canon or productions but i kept thinking trail pocket yeah well it's funny because okay
1: so from this shot it, it, it's pretty clear that that is not Real,
0: <laughs> in any way, shape, or form, <laughs> yeah. attached to but, Terry. But Farrell. they
1: are clever in this. Then shot that. Then they they switch, switch angles. Take and it That's out. clearly her stomach, right? Right. And oh wait, hold on. Okay, this is where they fight. Yeah. Yeah. There's the fight. Yeah. yeah Mike was behind. Oh yeah. <laughs> pow, pow, wow! Girl fight! Wow! Um, I actually love. We'll talk later. But I love what they do with her character because you seem like she's just kind of going to be the jilted girl, jilted woman, but. Which actually, they really handle it, I think, interestingly. Yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, I was saying at this point, I was like, Quark, man, you're going to need to come up with some sort of a hero move because you are done fucked up pretty good this time.
0: Yeah, you sure did.
1: You sure did. She's like, don't make th-. Ben's was so weird in a lot of his responses. Like, he's clearly giggling. He's clearly <laughs> giggling right now. Uh <laughs> oh, Avery, we love you. Okay. So here we go. Now we're back. Now that not, not the best alien autopsy footage. I'm not sure you'd fool anybody here, but.
0: Trail pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd like that. It's the, the, I don't think it is certainly we've, we've seen this operation before we saw it in, uh, in the pilot. And we also saw it on next gen. And, uh, this was definitely not done this way.
1: No, and Keith, I'm not gonna make one
0: that looks like a poo joke. Not even one. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Stop showing it, <laughs> Michael. Have some decorum. That's Dax.
1: <laughs> yes, sorry, Dax. There she. Is. Look at look at the John Glover character right now. That's a great performance right there. Because like, you like, have to that. like, you have to fully invest and be like, "Give me
0: give, that, <laughs> give me that stomach poo, put it in my <laughs> kangaroo pocket."
1: And like, oh, yeah, I'm not gonna, i to let you know what. <laughs> <laughs> Just he really, he made a the, the choice. Last, he made the, a choice about how what the physical
0: experience of this
1: was, and no, it's
0: look foot. foot. Like that that screenshot is not a fair and accurate representation of that scene that screenshot is okay yep. Is that any better nope oh god i'm so sorry to the world mm-hmm. i apologize to the world you
1: know what keith this this couple of seconds is making somebody a patron <laughs>
0: And all the rest of them quit. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Where are we? Oh, God. Uh, Yes. All right. So we head back to Ops. (laughs) Mercifully. And Kira confronts confronts Quark. Can't even speak
1: anymore. And Kira says what I was thinking. She literally verbalized exactly what was in my head. Like, you crossed a line this time. Yeah. Now, we will forgive you and laugh it off as, oh, Quark at the end, but you're going to have to work a little harder.
0: Well, and time. and to be fair, Armin Shimmerman was like, ooh, this episode does some damage to Quark. He, he, he picks up on it when Quark gets away with doing stuff that really is... Um, you shouldn't be getting away with it. Like there should be consequences for Quark. And, well, and uh, this brings up a question
1: that Mike I was going to save for later, but I will forget, so I'm going to bring it up now. Let's mm. and you can enlighten me with either what you know or what you think, depending on okay. how the lore shakes out. So here's my question. I understand Quark is very much is very transactional and the ends justify the means most almost 100% of the time, right? I mean, he'd yeah. sell his brother out, he'd sell his brother's seat on the lifeboat, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. but is making the the deal when it clearly could bring harm, physical harm or death upon himself or others that are close to him, which could bring legal ramifications or just moral uh, uh, mortality ramifications. Does he is he nearsighted in those moments, or is that a Ferengi trait? Is it what I'm saying? Is it a shortness of quark, or is it a Ferengi thing?
0: I think it's a it's a Ferengi thing. Okay. I think culturally, their expectations of one's behavior are just different. You know, the the culturally their, um, because like you know we all as a culture determine what is the priority of importance, right? And like personal safety and integrity, and then profits. Right or or whatever it is, which is true for for most of us, not all of us, but some of us, right? And and uh, but I think in the Ferengi, it's profits, then all of those other considerations, mm-hmm. and that that it is, um, you know, and and part of the show sort of deals with this, where you know dealing with with Nog and and um, and Jake having to learn that like wow. And you know we see it. We're going to see it more in terms of the you know their their social hierarchy and how they treat women is going to be is going to be a big deal. And that by our standards it's awful, mm-hmm. but that is their culture, and that's where you get into sort of prime directive sort of issues. So Quark is responsible for his behavior in Federation terms because he's on a Federation. Ship here, but if he were on Freganar, I don't think it would be. I don't think the consequences would would be very different, because culturally their priorities list are rearranged. Right, right, right. okay. Um, so that I works. do think it's cultural as opposed. I think Quark is less ruthless than the other Ferengis that we see.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's tough to write steady arcs because you thought he kind of made it had a turning point in come along home even though it was really early on like when yeah. they held him all hostage but here he just kind of seems to have walked right
0: into this even but although i mean i i will defend him a little bit in this from both what what kira says what you said and frankly from what armin said armin says like Quark did not know this was going to be the outcome he thought he was just selling some some merchandise That was probably stolen, probably illegal, which is why. Yeah, but he was letting people break into the ship. He was setting. Right, but he didn't. He didn't think like. All right, so you're working at you're working at Pizza Hut, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you know your buddies are going to come in. They're going to sell you some whatever, right? And you let him in the back door to 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 sell you some you know medicinal herbs. Let's say, Mike, Mm -hmm. some oregano. Some oregano, wants to sell you some oregano, and you let them in there. You think like, oh, I'm on my break. I'm going to come in. We're going to buy some oregano. Well, they come in, and then they rob this place, right? You're responsible for letting them in and robbing the place, but you didn't think that that was going to happen. All right, but if if,
1: if they shot my manager and killed him, I didn't think they were. I thought they were just going to, I thought they were selling me some oregano, but that murder's still on me.
0: It's 100% like legally responsible, but your intent was not that. Oh, okay, yeah, it's all I about mean, intent. I mean, to be fair, your manager probably was a jerk at Pizza Hut, but um, I could go for some Pizza
1: Hut right now. <laughs> yeah, I know, you keep saying it. But to be fair, I mean, he, does, he is integral to the, to the resolution. So.
0: Yeah, he does try to make make it right, sort of. Uh, anyway, um, so Kira tries to figure out what Muriel's motives are. Turns out she was a prostitute on another planet, and that Verad was a regular who then took her to Trill when he was transferred. Cisco uh, warns her that he's going to be very different once he's joined, and that he's going to be like literally an entirely different person. Uh, then he I think, shows I, up.
1: I think that this that whole dialogue there is awesome because it's so served by a previous episode. All Mm -hmm. the context we had in that first kind of Dax big episode was so important there because you realize that everything Ben is saying, though it's tinged with a little plotting,
0: is actually very true. Yeah, yeah, it's 100% the truth. Um, And we see that when Virad shows up. And he's now super confident he's Virad Dax. So uh, here we go. And this is where we start to see John Glover's just, like, skill as an actor, yeah. that he creates two completely different characters. And instantly you can tell from his from his physical behavior, from his voice, from his, you know, just making eye contact. Like, so many of the little things that you don't notice, the transition is great. Uh, John Glover is a phenomenal actor. Yes. So, act two begins, and Bashir tries to heal up Jadzia's kangaroo pouch. He asks the uh, trail pocket. He asks the other Klingon for help for some reason, um, as if he can't handle these two things at once. Um, The Klingon just calls her weak, but then Bashir yells at him and earns his respect. So that's how, you know, do you know how to earn a Klingon's respect? Yell at him. Yell at him. Maybe punch him in the face. Make his hand bleed. Then they will respect you. Then... uh, Squeeze his hand real hard, Keith. Squeeze his hand. You're basically all you know about Klingons <laughs> is that sex scene from Worf. <laughs> that is like literally all you know about Klingons. What else I need to know? <laughs> that's pretty much all you need to know. That's, that's pretty straightforward. Yeah, His son's a
1: little whiny bitch and uh, he squeezes his hand real hard. <laughs> oh,
0: oh, shit. <laughs>
1: Oh. Oh, no that episode he's so mean to him his son just like wants to be near him he's like dad I don't want you to die and he's like let me die and you're like okay well, I would kind of, like, don't you want your offspring to want you to live anyway moving forward Keith Kling up different list of
0: cultural priorities I know you're right I mean honestly uh, Jetzia wakes up and <laughs> she immediately trail pocket she uh, feels the loss of the symbiote and she feels alone and empty now and the good performance from Terry Farrell there, and I think um, she talked about this episode being very important to her um, because, and for the producers who got to s- like see her show range that she hadn't been, op- you know, afforded the opportunity to because she was hired basically because she was a model, mm-hmm. and here we get to see her stretch a little bit and realize, oh, we have a lot more to work here, uh, work with here, so that's cool. So we head to ops. And Sis goes up to talk to the new Dax. Varad is now all super chummy with him. And they reminisce and mention other Trek directors' names, including David Livingston gets a shout out in that. Um, so lots of Easter eggs. Just like, basically like the Easter bunny, just like throwing eggs yeah, everywhere.
1: Yeah, you know, all we all really need was one or two anecdotes to make, to
0: let us know that they know each other. But they really went for it. That, that's, I mean, basically. Season one and two, Cisco and Dax, all they do are like reminisce about carousing. Uh, that's what they do. It's all they talk about. Uh, it's like you and me, because all we ever, all we ever talk about is like our our Titanic tour from two thousand and three. Like, ah, oh, remember that time? We. That's all we talk about. Anyway. Uh, yeah, but that's Cisco... really just the tip of the iceberg of our friendship, Keith. Oh God, I'm glad we both died. Alright, uh, don't don't hit the button. There it is. Boo. <laughs> then Cisco brings up Jadzia, who is now part of Dax's experiences. So Jadzia's there. So which is a, this is a very interesting yeah. thing happening here because Jadzia's consciousness and memories are now in two different places at the same time. Um, oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and Cisco tries to get Dax to help Jadzia. But who's in charge? Now, is it Dax or Virad? And uh, Virad Dax, Dax, then uh, he snaps at his girlfriend, and he went from being a shy, snivelly dick to a confident dick. So, uh, Cisco tells them, of course, their friendship is over. And we begin Act Three with Virad Dax is now chilling in Cisco's office while they wait. But what are they waiting for? I'm reminded later what they're waiting for. The storm needs to pass before uh, they can peace out. I thought they were waiting for the like integration to be
1: complete, but the storm thing, that makes yeah, sense.
0: Yeah, no, you're done. That's so they're they're just sort of chilling. Uh Cisco keeps working on Marine. There's the baseball, her, Keith. The baseball's always there. The baseball? I told you the baseball was going to be important, right? Mhm. I told you. Uh he, Cisco keeps working on Maureen, reminding her that Varad is gone, and Varad Dax already is treating her like crap. Wasn't it better
1: when your dick boyfriend was at least kind of like a shy dick?
0: No, yeah, just liked her. Yeah. <laughs> he was addicted he, to other people and not you? Exactly, exactly. Uh, he tells her to go talk to him, and she doesn't want to. Then, Quark attacks Tim Russ Klingon kind of out of nowhere. And uh, injures his ear in the process. This Whoa. is a this is such a bold move for Quark yep. and and Quark's stunt guy. Um, they uh, of course then take him to the infirmary, and Armin makes a remarkable amount of noise, faking an ear injury. Uh wow! I mean, it is a but awesome, look at that noises. set. Oh, I want to play on it, Keith. Oh, I know, right? The I. Deep Space Nine set is phenomenal. I don't think I really appreciated the Deep Space Nine set because, you know, as a kid, and I was like, "That's not the same as next gen. Make it the same as next gen." But now, as an you adult, it brings up a kind of
1: an interesting point. Like, you know, Keith and I speak from a we've we're at different times in our lives have and are actors, but even think about it, like a lot of the 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 the, the sci fi stuff you see now and the Marvel superhero stuff. They're doing that against green screen. And so as an actor, you're kind of just like wearing a funny green suit and jumping around and having like wires on you and, but like going to work on this lot, you get yeah. to like play. It's like being, a, yeah. you get to like play in the stuff. Uh, it seems to me to be much more fun.
0: I'm sure, I'm sure. You know, it's a it's a little bit better now because a lot of the, lot the of VR the lot of stuff, type of stuff is shot yeah. on, well it's not even VR now, they use LED nets. So they're actually uh, like the, I know the Star Wars. Yeah, the Star Wars thing. What do they call that? Has a name, but y- yeah. Well, it's a uh, it's a you can actually. So they're actually shooting it in camera. There's there's no keying out or green screen anymore because they've done all the effects there and they've got it all. So that's that's pretty cool. I um my my brother-in-law did King Kong on Broadway and they had a very similar thing. the The whole back wall was one of those big LED nets. That uh, was able to move and uh, adapt to stuff. So it was, it was pretty cool, but it's nothing like the practical set. Right? I mean, practical set is always going to be the coolest thing.
1: So uh well, that practical yeah. King Kong was pretty friggin' awesome. No, oh, the King Kong. Did you see it? I mean, I may have found a, a hashtag slime tutorial.
0: Oh come on, buddy! You should have seen that. It I was should've. so cool. Yeah, I should have. It was definitely one to see in uh, in life. Anyway, uh. So, anyway, so, uh, luckily, Bashir's quick on the uptake, realizing it's a fake injury. So, we head back to Ops, and uh, Varad is beginning to verge on talking like a supervillain. We're, see- we're seeing a little little Luther here, mm-hmm. uh, and now thinks that girls are gross. <laughs> and uh, Cisco gives an amazing, I told you so, smirk to Marine. So, uh, in the infirmary, Bashir once again convinces the gullible Klingon to be his nurse. Then, naturally, hyposprays him to sleep. So, the, uh, <laughs> look at that face. <laughs> that is so ridiculous. <laughs> There's a, yes. There's a lot of ridiculous Arrgh! facing right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, well, anyway, we get rid of the Klingon. We uh, Hooray for Bashir and Quark. Quark's plan worked. His, uh, you know, sometimes being annoying and feeble can get you through just as well as being the tough guy. Yeah. Then uh, Bashir takes out Odo's box and tries to open it. Quark isn't sure about opening it, thus asking, "What is exactly Quark's plan here?" If Quark's whole plan is like, "Oh, I don't know if we should open it." What are you doing? Why did you? It's another. That
1: is legitimately the Matrix of Power from Transformers. That is exactly it.
0: I, it's, it's, it's cool. And if he opens it, like, some centibites might come out. That'd be fun. Or, Take tr- this in a, or a little Tribble. What are those called? Triple, Trouble with Tribbles? Tribbles. No, I was, I was going, uh, anyway. Uh, we we, we just might be dealing with that later. But, uh, there we are. So, uh, anyway, Quark, of course, eventually agrees and is able to crack the lock because Ferengi. And, uh, I, I gotta say, great sounds, On the unlocking of the box, good job, Uncle Jim. Uh, I I noticed that, and I was like, "That sounds great." So sometimes it's not always the big pew pew's that add the most realism to a scene. Sometimes it's the little unlocking thingies that makes that uh, feel much more real. So, uh, Keith, I want to prove my point. I've Mm -hmm. uh, I've I've done the research. Oh, he's done the.
1: Did you do your own research? I did. Let's see. Let me pull it. See if I can pull it in.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 very similar. Very
1: similar? I would say that's damn near identical. Well, it's not a ball in the middle, yeah, but it's
0: pretty right. damn close. All right. It's it's pretty cool, pretty cool. Anyway, uh, there right, we go. So on Ops, Varad says, it's time to go. And they call the other Klingon, but he's passed out. And they realize they're in trouble. And they take Kira hostage and plan to leave. Dax tries to say goodbye to Cisco, but Cisco is like, I'm not giving up that easy. Go screw yourself. And it, it is interesting how much control Verad has versus how much control Dax has in the situation. Because uh, I, I think we learn from this that the, the host is really the one in the driver's seat. And the symbiote is there to sort of navigate and give information and, and that sort of a thing. But it's, it's the host who's in charge, um, which is interesting, at, le- at least here. Be- or you could also argue that maybe, like, you know, because the integration is still happening, Dax doesn't have his full powers yet. Um, but it is, it is funny to see how much control Varad has over Dax here. Because Dax has not come out of this looking particularly good
1: no and i think it's fair and this is the the sort of we'll talk a bit more about it <clears throat> but it really is and they they hammer us with it is a third entity so yeah. it's not really dax like it's hard to it's hard to identify dax as a separate being because we only know dax in the context of all of its human or uh, its uh, Tr- it, combined forms is what I mean. Right. Whereas Jedzia, we have a bit of context now of of Jedzia as an individual. Barad, we have some context as an individual, but mostly we know Dax as part of the duo of the integration. Well, it, so.
0: and it's and it's much more than that because the Dax that we know has already had eight lifetimes. Right. So it so the the actual symbiote. It's hard to disentangle the symbiote from the previous eight lifetimes, not even counting Jadzia. right? Um, and and we're going to learn a lot more about them. As and what's we in move
1: there's an interesting line at some point. I think it's around this period where Virad Dax says, "Yes, Jadzia's is going to die, but just the, the the what's more important, one girl or nine combined lifetimes?" And I thought that that's an interesting. That seems to be a moral judgment of. Varad Dax and not sort of the trill philosophy. I think that seemed pretty like the, the created, I think the reason he was not accepted is mostly because they some the selection committee had an idea that he might turn into a supervillain.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. I and I, I wonder, like, it's a it's a good like question about the state of humanity, right? So if if we had symbiotes, mm-hmm. and how many you know, so let's say as opposed to having eight lifetimes, they had like 100,000 lifetimes. Would they eventually turn into somebody good or a supervillain in the combined aggregate of like 100,000 people? Like, are we basically good or are we basically evil? Which that would be the way to find out. Like, as a species, by combining 100,000 of us and figuring out if we turn into a supervillain. My money's on supervillain. Yeah, I would say the majority of supervillains. Probably
1: one in ten is probably a good ratio to aim for.
0: Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. So uh Cisco keeps working on Muriel. She he tells her that Varad is gonna dump her and disappear. Uh she's gonna take your micro machines. Gonna take your Yeah. Gonna take your micro machines and not hold your hand on the bus, and that's gonna be it. Your your heart will be broken for the rest of and your you life. You killed
1: somebody for that. They ain't worth a kill.
0: Yeah, right? Right, and my micro-machines will not work there. All we
1: gotta do is cut his belly open and slip that hot pocket back in the other middle. Yeah, exactly. And then you can have him with a big hole in his tummy.
0: I had a black Lamborghini micro-machine, mm. which was like the holy grail for me. I loved those ones. Ugh,
1: the those sparkly gold one was my jam.
0: You know, they make Star Trek micro-machines. They did back in the day, so we're, we might have to get those. Uh, Wait, did right. we open some of those? Uh, not the same. Oh, okay. They did micro-machine ships. Yeah, yeah. Get to work on those. Ooh, beat change. Ooh. So, uh, Ooh. yeah, right? He loves uh, me. He loves me not. He loves me not, yes. Well, because he's he's heading out first. That wasn't the plan. It was not the plan. No, she was going to head out first, but he's heading out first. And she finally gets it. She knows he's gone. And Sisko tries to make a deal. Give Dax back to Jedzia, and Muriel gets Verad back. So she hands Sisko the phaser. So Varad, the Klingon, and Kira get to the airlock on their escape attempt, and of course, Odo is there to attack them after having already released the docking clamps. They knock out Tim Russ, and Virad makes a run for the runabout. He opens the airlock to find Sisko, waiting with a phaser. Pew pew! Punch punch! Varad doesn't think he'll be shot this is this is a sort of a cool moment here Mm -hmm. so varad thinks like you're not gonna shoot me because if you shoot me you're gonna risk killing Dax. and uh but this is choke out quark and punch q cisco not let's talk about our feelings picard Mm -hmm. and he just freaking shoots him uh because that's how cisco do he's not picard folks so, pew pew! John Glover gets it in the hot pocket, in the uh, in the trill pocket. Verad wakes up in the infirmary. He could have shot him in the head. He does shoot him like right in the symbiote. Like yeah. he had a lot of options of where to shoot him. But uh, we don't. Varad, you know, like it. oh, that's pretty clear. That's like <laughs> like right down the right down the trill pocket. Like, come on, it's right yeah. down the kangaroo pouch. Uh,
1: Dunkaroos, you don't just dunk, you dunkaroo.
0: <laughs> if your stomach makes a poo, you dunkaroo. All right, so... <laughs> That's terrible. All right, so he wakes up. We're bad people. Uh, Varad wakes up in the infirmary. Bashir has removed Dax and put him them back in Jadzia. Varad is distressed because he's lost all the knowledge and confidence he got from Dax.
1: And she's like, hey, are we going to get back together now?
0: And he's like, uh, you'll see his face in a moment. Like, I'll call you. Yeah. Jadzia wakes up and she, interestingly, she now has all of Varad's knowledge and experiences too. And it's sad. She she says
1: it right in front of him. She's like, ah, and it's sad. I have all, it's like me being like, I have all of Keith's feelings. (laughs) Oh. It's ooh. depressing in here. <laughs> oh
0: god. Oh man, I need a drink. It's so cold. <laughs> My feelings aren't cold. Shame and misery isn't cold. Loneliness isn't cold. Uh, you're right? It burns. <laughs> uh yeah, so which is which is interesting. So now even in that couple of hours, she now carries an entire other life inside of her. Um as a Quick little host, which will kind of be forgotten about moving forward, but doesn't matter. It wasn't a long time, uh, so she uh, she pities him. But to be fair, and here's and here's my uh, my fun little piece of trivia here. Uh, John Glover is cool as shit. He needs to be pitied by no one. He's Lex Luthor's dad, and wait for it, once hooked up with Freddie Mercury. Yeah, he did. So he is cool as shit. she's like oh
1: it's so fun uh being home i was inside him Uh." Uh. and she's like you want to get back together and he's like "Uh." (laughs) (laughs) Uh.
0: yeah nah now but uh anyway john glover dude's lived a life hell yeah all right it is time for mike's star trek vocab quiz and now it's time for Mike and Deglio's Star Trek Vocabulary Quiz! Alright, your first one is easy, Mike. Here's a softball. What is a stasis chamber? Well, Keith, sometimes you got Ooh. a shape shifting
1: dude who needs to go on a vacation because you don't need him for the shoot. So you have him goo up and you stick him in an Autobot Matrix of Power. Uh, And then you got to put that in somewhere that I guess for some reason that needs safekeeping. So you stick it in a vacuum tube. And there you go.
0: The stasis chamber. Close enough. All right. Your next word is liquid data chains. Yeah. So, you know,
1: sometimes you got to fool that overeager Ferengi into letting you sneak on the ship. So you promise them some Money or latinum bars in exchange for some tubi-tubi-tubes. And these tubi-tubi-tubes happen to have a name, Keith, and that name is
0: what you just said. (laughs) But what are the tubi-tubi-tubes? They're, uh, I don't know. Goo?
1: (laughs) They're their own goo.
0: They're data. Yes! It's a way to store information. All right. Well, uh, what do you say we, uh, come along home? Yeah, and let's, start giving out some let's self-sealing go ahead stem that. bolts. Okay, so here we are at Quark's looks like... A, He's uh, he's pouring some of those liquid data chains. Mm, yeah, mm. So good. Tasty. Maybe if we drank some, it would make us smarter. No, no. Okay. So uh, what do you say? Let's. <laughs> I think we've. Uh, I think we got a few here. Let's talk about wormholes in the plot.
1: Yeah, we gotta just discuss security aboard Deep Space Nine. Oh my goodness gracious! I think yeah. that is the major wormhole here. Uh, it, it seems like the plot is very. the the, the siege is too easy and and not only do they get in too easy, I feel like Quark, though he is quite it has a lot of ingenuity when it comes to like knowing the back alleys and stuff, he's able to, like just like defy the security systems way too easily. Quark's able to do it too easily. They're able to strong arm them too easily. They're able to get into the bridge too easily or the or ops too easily. Um, so that's my major wormhole. I'll let you talk more about it. But then I have a, a bookending wormhole. And All Matt's- right. Well, let's
0: talk about security. first. Okay, first, let's start there. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yes, I think Quark's ability to go through things. Part of that is just because of, you know, the uh, Odo's in love with him, so he lets him get away with shit. Okay. I think that's that's just that's yeah, part sure. of what that is. But the station itself has the security of said pizza hut yeah. that you, that Mike works at. Yeah. Like it's like you do, you just uh put it put a put a rock on the door that swings in the back and then you're just like good to go. Cause it that's craziness. That's it is craziness that a First off, it was a Cardassian station. So Cardassians had to have taken security pretty seriously. But beyond that, it's a federation now. Like, I understand like the Bajorans might not have their shit together yet in order to do that, but like, come on. Uh that's some hot nonsense. Lock the doors. Lock the doors. And, uh, you know, Odo, just make out with him and then be a security chief again because that was that was craziness. Uh-huh. Anyway, continue. Part yeah, two. Yeah,
1: and then also it's like by the time they do the surgery, I feel like Bashir had all of the leverage. I mean, I guess there was bodyguards there. I didn't want anybody to die, so I guess I can let it, but I feel like they could have intervened there, but uh, my bigger wormhole is at the end because... They're able to convince the girlfriend mm-hmm. that if she just helps them get Dax back into Jadzia, her boyfriend will come back, he'll love her again, and then they can go on their way. Even though she has to know that A, he's gonna be miserable, B, he's gonna be pissed mm-hmm. that she kind of betrayed him to get him back, right? Mm-hmm. And C, There might be legal consequences. Uh, Well, I I know. That's like, aren't they going to spend some time in jail? Right? Uh, I mean, Ben seems very, his offer seems very kind. That, like, you know what? Less, it all will be forgotten. Will it, though? Because they shot O'Brien. They shot, uh, they body slammed Quark. They almost, they agreed to kill Jadzia. There's a lot that went down here. They uh, also kidnapped
0: everybody? Kidnapping. Yeah. 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 Like, if, if you go because it's essentially like going to a military base and kidnapping all of the like the generals there, assaulting them, trying to murder another one on yeah, they're like, uh, oh, it's all good. Yeah, yeah, also, I know we don't have our communicators, but back to security. Hmm.
1: There's a lot of time just like sitting around watching John Glubber brood where we're just all together. Now we don't have our little com badges, but there's no emergency button on ops that someone can secretly hit there's no s- hidden emerge
0: that can alert s- starfleet or something yeah like the my my little mom and pop bank i used to go to in jericho vermont has more security than the military station like they, they got a little button that says Boop, there's a problem
1: plus they're willing to let people die yet when when Quark, who just attacked one of the bodyguards, hurts his earlobe. They're like, send him down. Let's split oh, up. No. Send him down to yeah. It's uh, there's a lot of what? just like
0: plot conveniences that I don't. Although want... I, I I will rescue. I I think that is that the message we're getting here is that Virad was desperate for this in his for his own psychological needs or whatever. But he wasn't like necessarily evil. Yeah. He didn't want to hurt anybody. He just felt entitled to this. And it wanted. is interesting
1: that he became kind of more, I don't know if evil's the word, but uh, antagonistic once he became Varad Dax. So yes. it doesn't, you are like you said, it doesn't shine a great light onto no, Dax. No, Dax
0: does not come out of this looking good no, at but all. But Jadzia does. Jadzia comes out great. But like,
1: I don't know. is But we've heard that before. Like, that's not a surprise to us. Like, Ben talks about, like, he was kind of like a booze hound womanizer. Or, or you know, like...
0: Not well, that, that's, that's very that was the previous host. But but yeah, no, he was having the affair with that lady, like yeah. they were getting into all sorts of trouble, like he was Yeah, I mean uh yeah, the symbiote, like I don't it, it, question for the world. Is Dax a dick? He sure <laughs> looks like one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 trail pocket. Um, all right. Yeah, we'd go we good with wormholes? Yeah, let's talk about oh. our favorite moments. I think we got to give uh I think we gotta give Jad,
1: speaking of Jadzia, I think we gotta give her her credit where credit is due. I really loved, first of all, when she's first, when the the plot is first hatched, her willingness to kind of sacrifice herself slash trust them to make the effort, and if it doesn't work out, sacrifice herself, is very heroic and very altruistic to her friends. She recognizes that it's been a great honor to be this, person or this being and obviously chooses the righteous thing it's not even a decision for her for yeah for them it's it's very altruistic um and then the moment at the end that is beautifully acted but more so that performance when she wakes up and she or when she wakes up and feels the vacancy and then when she wakes up and feels the the sadness from the shared hosts it doesn't give us full context of what it's like to be a trill. Uh, But it adds a lot of color and a lot of uh, layers that I think are really beautiful and fascinating. I just think the whole trill experience is such a wild, awesome thing. And how straight they play it and seriously they play it and, 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 and seriously they take it is really, it's such an interesting exploration. I've loved every second of that type of stuff. And I so I think those three little beat moments with Jadzia are really
0: yeah, I, my favorite. It's it's a great episode for Jadzia specifically. And it's a great episode for Terry Farrell. Yes. Um and, and I, I, I I agree with you. I think it really is those moments of realization on Terry's face with without the decisions and you know and we see that Jadzia, the character, is incredibly noble. And you think, well, that's the, the wise old symbiote who's lived for three hundred years. You know what? I don't think so. I think it's Jadzia who, you know, uh protected the the secret to help the other culture that she was, you know, having an affair with that lady's wife or whatever, choosing being willing to die to protect that secret. That's Jadzia. I don't think that's Dax. And so I think that's a that's a very important moment. Um this as a performance for Terry seeing like, Oh wow. We have a lot more to work with here. Mm -hmm. Um, and also for the character, we've, we've learned more about the distinction. I love that the world building we're doing about the trill that we're continuing to evolve and, and look at all the layers of, of what that's like. I think that's great. I like that very much. Um, and it's, it's a little bit of a spoiler, uh, but I don't think it's necessarily that much of a spoiler, but later on, um, we're going to get to meet all of the previous hosts. Oh cool. Through uh a pretty fun episode where uh we are going to see our main all of our main cast members playing different hosts. So, it's going to be really really fascinating. I think you're going to like that episode. Okay, cool.
1: I'm looking forward to it.
0: Um so, uh, it's not for years, but it's it's going to be uh really interesting to see them all out there the, by themselves and to see the cool performances of our cast like yeah, playing wildly sure. different characters. Um, so uh, anyway, yeah, so I think that was my best moment for sure. Um, right. I agree with you. Let's talk about... Uh, let's hand out some self-sealing stem bolts. What do you say, Mike? Yeah, so when I watched this
1: episode last night, I was over the moon about it. Now, once again, for, the, for our patrons, they'll know. And for our people who are thinking about being patrons, you should know. I'm generally in an altered state when I watch these. <laughs> um, so it's, you know, just so you know.
0: Uh, well, you know, you, you got your delivery in the back yeah, of the pizza Yeah, I got hot. that
1: origino. Uh <laughs> Didn't work out well for my coworkers, but for me. Uh, <laughs> no, they got murdered, but yeah. at least you got to enjoy your episode <laughs> of Deep Space Nine. Uh, I was really over the moon about it. Upon closer scrutiny and discussion with you, it, I don't think we can let her off the hook. The plot convenience is, that's TV, TV, and that's very much Star Trek. Uh, but it, it start. It is. It's. It really strains the credulity. Like, I mean, they just got. They spent the whole first arc of the season with this big sort of like siege thing, and then we are so easily sieged this time. Like, we. Yeah. It just. It really does. Mm. Uh, but that said, you know, I'm a sucker for character beats. And here, what more can you ask for? I I just think uh, an incredible performance, an incredible story for Jadzia, an incredible arc for Jadzia, uh, an incredible... uh, You felt the stakes. You never really felt in danger, but uh, I I love how everybody played their part. I love how Quark made his mea culpa. Um, I like how... You know, interesting. I was expecting the whole episode. I was waiting for Dax to like be a part of the solution, but it never really is. Like you said, it's da- no. it's Jadzia, and that's really kind of a like a. They're really making a statement there. I think. Uh, you get to understand f- how Ben has moved forward on his journey with his friendship with Jadzia Dax, which is really kind of cool because remember he was struggling with it when we first dealt yeah. with this. So that was really awesome. I thought the crew worked together really well, even without uh, Renee <laughs> in this episode. I really liked it. And I just think, once again, this season so far has just been shot lit, and it sounds great. Everything just is, like, production-wise is fire on all cylinders. They've sort of gotten a handle of their action sequences. They aren't as hokey. It's kind of working. Yeah, I thought the fights were, were good. The effects were pretty good. I mean, it's a, it's a good episode. I think it's... It's hard not to put it in a, in the high 70s, early 80s for me. So I'm gonna say s- s- it loses a couple points because I wish the plot could have been there. Could have been a a more clever way to get them into infiltrate, yeah, yeah. Uh, to get us to the interesting stuff. I'm gonna say 79.95 self sealing stem bolts. You your decimal points.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh- yeah, there's a. I, I I agree with you that it is. I think better than people received it. Um, I mean, I, I don't need to talk about the. You know, obviously we've talked ad nauseum about the sort of silliness of them being able to take over the station that easily. That's that's craziness. Even on a skeleton crew, mm-hmm. that's absurd. Uh, all right, so we do. Let,
1: let me let me finish a point I forgot to make. It is yeah. as good as Terry's performance is. I think John's perform- John Glover's performance is every Hmm. bit its match in his kind of showing all stages of that person. In addition, I find that um, oh, the the plot, the subplot of the relationship of, uh, what's the? Varad and Marine. Varad and Marine, yeah, is really interesting, too. I think it's very relatable and yet uh, complex because what she's trying to comprehend as to what's about to happen to her boyfriend, who's about to become, like, nine people is very interesting. Uh, we probably could have explored that more, but it really wasn't about that. But I thought, I thought there was enough susan of subplot there that it made it, uh, it gave another dimension. So anyway, I hand it back yeah. off to
0: you. Yeah, no. Um. Yeah. Well, I'll, 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 I'll piggyback on, on that idea because like, you know, we, we look at how it, how does it tie to relationships in, in real life? and, the it, being the shy, non confident guy like that was me. I've been that guy. I still am that guy in a lot of ways. And it's if you take this back to high school, it's like if somebody were dating me in high school, pff, yeah, right. But like I was like shy and unconfident, and then like oh my god, I was Kenickie and Grace in my high school production. Now I'm like oh, I'm the cool guy, and then like all of a sudden like I'm shitty. Like. <laughs> I'm like, i am really, i
1: want to cut that out and play it back to you and just let you just <laughs> psychoanalyze what you, all of the things words that just came out of your mouth <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, just clip it out and send it to my therapist it'll be great uh but yeah i mean how people how confidence changes people and changes relationships and messes with that kind of dynamic um you know this is a very extreme example of it but again we're, we're you know we tie it to things um I think another, and and I'll I'll piggyback the the John Glover's performance. I think is fantastic in this episode. Miss um, John Glover, of course, he's great. Um, I think I have two other thoughts about it. One is the Cisco's decision. We sort of glossed over it quickly, but his decision to shoot Dax, yeah, um, is was a was a big thing. Now, obviously, he's not thinking there's a great chance. Of killing Dax, but it is both a logical decision, but also like with tremendously high stakes, and not one that all of the other Starfleet officers we've met would have made. So I think even though Cisco uh, wasn't a huge part of this episode, he was what made the plot turn in all of these things. And I think this last moment we've learned a little bit more about Cisco's a. Ab- willingness to do what is necessary even if it's a little bit risky even if it's a little morally ambiguous it's just different than Picard mm-hmm. and we're going to see that play out as we move forward um, as he is put into more and more impossible high-stakes situations how he chooses to handle it will he make some compromises ethically will he take some big risks will he handle things um more directly as opposed to diplomatically like that is i think that's a really interesting thing that we're starting to build this groundwork for this character um you know i I think in terms of the siege and in terms of quark's role in it um i think that that's where i think there's a little bit of a breakdown here because I get, all right, so they get in because of something Quark did, right? Okay, mm-hmm. that's an interesting story. That's, you know, I. it certainly puts Quark in a difficult position as opposed to them finding a clever way to break into the station. Okay, great. But you sort of had Quark be the, the entry point, but we didn't really pay it off. We didn't really have that mean very much yes of course he did play a role in um in rescuing them sort of and he did sort of make the decision to like let me do something but it really wasn't if you're going to do that i would like to see that play out a little bit more it, it, it was kind of shorthanded and um, play out some of these consequences what were his what was his emotional experience right. of this you know how was this going to change the other relationships on the on the ship like You know, what about Jadzia? What about Dax? How does Dax feel about that? Um, How is that going to change their relationship? Um, Is it going to change anything? And that just sort of got, it's like they ran out of time. Like, it's not about that or whatever, which is fine. So have them get in a different way. Mm -hmm. If you're not going to tell that story, don't half tell it. Yeah. Because I think, as Armin said, I think it does damage to the character not to play that out. Um, because then it's just Quark is somebody sh- who does shitty things sometimes, but we don't know why, we don't know what the consequences are. It doesn't really get paid off. So, yeah. um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I I think talking about it sounds like I didn't like the episode. I did like the episode. Um, I I think that in terms of continuing the story of understanding the Trill, I think that's cool. I think John Glover's character and his the journey that he goes on, the desperation for the validation, for the power, for the confidence, the feeling of entitlement that he has for that. That's a very human thing, right? You know, we battle sort of entitlement and then we, you know, you you look at uh I mean, the scandals getting their kids into college, right? You know, getting, you know, getting my kid into Yale or whatever, um, and sort of feeling entitled to that, and going to great lengths, and it's um yeah it's a it's a very human thing and it is a logical thing to see um battle through and the changes in in the in the confidence and the relationship i liked it so all of that uh I feel like this is not a disposable episode like some of the others are i think this is actually an important character story telling episode um that said uh it's got some holes it's got some holes so it gets for me seventy six self-sealing stem bolts trombones
1: oh no it's trombones. no trombones.
0: 76 trombone right 76 Bo. Okay. Oh, boom uh, I, I did grease man did i mention i played Kaniki? <laughs> you did you did mention it i was a i was a chubby Kaniki in a mock turtleneck do you know who else played Kaniki? keith our patrons did they <sighs>
1: Ladies and gentlemen, these types of segues and more available uh,
0: to our patrons. All right, okay, all right. Hold on, patrons or anybody listening to this, if you played Kaniki and can prove that you played Kaniki at any point in your life in Greece, show a picture, send a clip or whatever. Mike and Deglio will perform Grease Lightning" for us here. We're going to get a backing track, and he's going to perform Grease Lightning" on the next episode. If somebody can prove. Go like- Grease Lightning, you're signing up for Patreon at
1: patreon.com slash
0: Next week, we are doing Cardassians. So uh, here we go. We will see you back next week for season two, episode five. Uh, thank you so much for walking, walking, for watching. Give us a like, give us a subscribe. I think I need a sandwich. Till then, this has been. Thank you for watching KME Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe.